Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend Chris Dow. Good evening to you all. And my adulthood friend Minty Booth. Oi oi. And we will be discussing our all-time top 100 video games of all time. This week we're starting with number 100. But before we do that, chaps, what have you been playing this week? Uh, Chris, what have you been playing? Well, last weekend I went up to a place called the Arcade Club in Bury, outside of Manchester. Uh, and it's, it's basically two massive floors of a warehouse uh, that has like hundreds of old kind of classic arcade games in. Um, one floor is kind of all sort of classic sort of uh, Pac-Man asteroids, like, you know, the 80s and 90s sort of cabinets that might have been in places in like seaside towns when we were growing up. Uh, and then the other floor is filled with lots of kind of modern Japanese rhythm games and Bomani games and stuff like that. And it was the best place I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> was it like Valhalla? It, it was incredible. Like walking in, I don't think anyone I went with appreciated it as much as I did <laughs> when I just kind of stood and absorbed it for a few minutes. But yeah, I mean, was, this was for your stag do, is that right? It was, yeah, it was, it was for my stag do, and it was it was very tame in in terms of like what a stag do normally is, but extremely exciting and a real sensory overload for me for that purpose. What was what was the the best game that you played there? There were several, like I said, like Japanese rhythm games that I couldn't even tell you what the names are that, that were really fantastic to play on. There, there were ones ones with drums. There was ones with uh, big like marching band type things. There, <laughs> all sorts of odd stuff. I guess the marching band one was a multiplayer game. It was, it was indeed. But yeah, in, in terms of uh, like classic stuff, it was really good to play like Sega Rally. It was really nice to play like Point Blank and Time Crisis. A lot of the ones that you know I haven't played in a proper arcade setting for years. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, Minty, what have you been playing this week? So I've been trying to convince myself that um, I'm getting my money's worth from my Nintendo Online subscription by playing every single game on there. On the Is this on the NES collection? The NES collection, yes, yes. Oh. I'm, yeah, I got to... I got to the last the last tank level on Mario 3 mm. and I ran out of lives I think your silence says more than <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I don't even know how to make baseball work nobody does mate I mean the, the bottom line is a lot of the games that are classics air quotes are mm. um, quite frankly not very good yeah, That's true. but there is. It, does, it is true. It does come with Doctor Mario, which is a, a genuine classic. I is that the ah? Oh, which one's that? It's it's you drop you drop down little pills that are in two colours, like a red and a blue half kind of thing, and you match them into lines of four with little little viruses. Yes, I'm colourblind, and that <laughs> was a nightmare. Mm. It was like yeah, it was horrible. It was like being going through some sort of obscene trial what it did one of the one of the positives i guess you know clutching at straws here was that some of the games on it i didn't realize were originally released on the nes because i had dr mario and yoshi um on the game boy i thought they were game boy games i did as well Hmm. uh certainly with yoshi there we go there we go but a, a trip down memory lane nonetheless I'm trying to put a positive spin on it. It's a waste of your time. It is, yeah. So uh, this week I've been playing, uh, on the very other end of the spectrum, a brand new game. Oh, Mr. Modern. I've been playing Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Oh. Mm. Mm. Is that the one where you 
sort of ride around on your horse and kill like huge Lara Crofts. <laughs> yes, yes, it is that. And on a similar topic to my struggles with Dr. Mario, mm. um, a similar struggle with something like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, because it is so, so photo real and yeah, traipsing through a jungle trying to find artifacts and little secrets. I, I can't see any of them. Literally, I, it's like I couldn't even see a fire that was lit because it was just too red against the auburn of the South American forests. Uh, fortunately, though, uh, there is um, an ability in the game called, I think it's called Stealth Mode or something, where basically you press the right stick down and then it highlights everything that's kind of interactable. So you can see where enemies are and you can see where objects are and you can see where like uh, switches and levers and things like that. Um, so that means it's totally solved that problem. Mm. However, it presents another problem. Well, well, for one, it's not very realistic, but also the game assumes that if you're going into stealth mode, you don't know what you, you don't know where you're going next. And it prompts Lara to give you a sentence to prompt you. And because I need to basically check stealth mode every three seconds, my gameplay experience is basically, Oh, I think I need to get to the top of that tower. <laughs> oh, I think I need to get to the top of that tower. Oh, I think, and is Lara in this game voiced by Frank Spencer? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it's a, it's a very moving tribute. Some tombs do have them. <laughs> but all in all, it's been a really good fun game. Not quite up there to its predecessor, which I enjoyed a huge amount. But yes, I'm glad to have played it anyway. Do you prefer Lara Croft or Indiana Jones? Just in terms of um, fictional archaeologists. Fictional archaeologists, I prefer Lara Croft. Um, but oh. that's only because you see a lot more of her uh, book smarts than you do with Indiana Jones. You get a, a sense that Indiana Jones knows what he's talking about, but sure. uh, but mainly through his actions, uh, whereas Lara, Lara shows her working. And we all know, since I'm a secondary school teacher, working is very important. It, it is, it is, it is. Anyway, moving on to the main event, uh, let's move on to the rankings. So... Starting at number 100, Chris, can you reveal please what is at number 100 in your all-time top 100 video games list? Okay, my number 100, my pick for number 100 is a bit of a curveball, I think for, well, for the, for the context of the rest of the list, certainly, it's a Master System game, Ooh. Um, so going right back to when I was very, very small, and it is a game called Bomber Raid, uh, which was kind of a... a a scrolling shoot 'em up, a scrolling shoot 'em up, and it's not a good game. <laughs> I'll, I'll preface that straight away. So, if anyone listens to this and thinks, "Oh, yeah, I, I want to go back and play a shoot 'em up on the Mars system," I wouldn't choose this one. Um, <laughs> but for me personally, um, it's, it's quite an important release. I think that my Mars system I got as a, like a hand-me-down present from my cousin, one of one of my cousins, uh, and I was probably around five or, or maybe slightly older maybe six but i got the master system at the time i was allowed to play it for about 30 minutes a day because mum and dad thought it would sort of corrupt the youth of uh you know the early 90s and where are they now and where are they now where are they now 
Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of as as time went on. Obviously, that time got longer and longer as these things tend to. But you never have any, many games at that age anyway. I'm sure all of us growing up had like a very limited stock of games to play. Mm. Um, mm. And any games I did get would be because Dad would just come home one day and be like, "Oh, I found this in a junk shop." And, and so that is classic McDowell. It is, yeah, classic McDowell. My father, indeed. Um, but you know, one day it would be something good, like we got Columns once, and that was not a bad game. Oh, I loved Columns on the Master System. That we had a uh, a triple pack. I think it was Columns, Super Monaco GP, and another game. And um, yeah, I just played Columns. Loved it. Yeah, it's very good. But I mean, on the flip side, we'd also get games like Kung Fu Kid, if anyone ever played that, which was like no. a terrible, really simple action game, but just not not good. But anyway, anyway, Bomberade was one of the ones that turned up one day. One of the rare games as well that I got in like the proper case, since most of the time it was just like lo- loose cartridges. Um, and, and the case has kind of like a stealth fighter type jet on the front of it. And Promising. Ge- yeah, generally yeah. it was like, well, it's going to be great. Look at this art. This looks fantastic. Um not the plane from the game, not the plane you fly as. Um, oh. <laughs> the whole game was built around kind of your little tiny biplane. Uh, and it's, it's basically a rip-off of kind of like the 1940 series of Capcom arcade games. Oh, um, yes. If you've played any of those, just like really simple kind of scroll up the screen. It's really, really simple. Really, really simple. And I think what appealed to me at the time is it was my first exposure to like shoot 'em ups as a genre. And it's something that I've kind of, I've never been hugely into, but it's stuff I have kind of kept up with and I've, I've play things here and there um but it's it's a very good kind of like gateway to the genre and and i think it appeals to me more looking back to it now for that reason because there's a lot of better shooting ups i haven't included in this top 100 but because it was like the first example i had of that it's one i come back to much more than i do later much better games on kind of more modern hardware i think uh, you get a lot of games like that that are, uh, are comforting it's like the same the same episode same episodes of tv or films that you'll go back to because yeah, it's it's yeah. familiar yeah absolutely and, and i mean part of that comfort as well is it, it has this memory of obviously dad bringing it home but it also has this memory that throughout my life my, my dad's been interested in maybe four or five games like the sum total of games and that includes this on the master system he played Super Hang On on the Mega Drive. Um, he got obsessed with Baku Baku Animal on the Saturn, the, the kind of dropping puzzle game. Um, F-Zero X on the N64. Uh, and then nothing up until present day where he's been playing a knockoff Candy Crush. So not even the real Candy Crush saga. <laughs> a, a knockoff one where you match jelly beans and like little bits of, I don't know, some other sweet treat. But he's played that on his <laughs> iPhone, refusing to pay into it in any way for about the last three years fair play and in that in, in many ways that makes him the real winner <laughs> exactly because i spend a lot of money on games and i don't think i enjoy them as much as he does that jelly bean game absolutely my dad has a similar trend with uh some oh, i don't know what it is it's some oh, like car stunt <laughs> game I, I don't know i don't know he loves it he loves Are it you talking about formula one <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, unless Formula One cars are being driven by stickmen and they collect coins as they go round. I mean, who even knows underneath those big old helmets? Exactly. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And I've never watched a race to um, to uh, yeah to query that. No, and mm. I don't think I'm going to either. No, no, not at all. Thank you very much for that, Chris. Bomber raid in at number one hundred on on Chris's list. Yeah. So moving on, Minty. Please, can you reveal what is at number 100 in your all-time top 100 video games of all time list? It's funny because 
right down at the end of the list, you're like, oh, all of these games are sort of, they're just okay. Like, there wasn't really that much sort of, oh, putting these two head to head to see who gets spot number 82. Um, because 82 is a trash number. Let that be a lesson to all of them. Yeah. If, if 83 is thinking about like bucking its ideas up, don't. Mm, yeah, or just just kill it and go straight for 81. Absolutely. Yeah. Straight through it. So yeah, there's, I've just got this big sort of clump of games sort of at the bottom of my list where I'm like, oh, it's like they could be better, they could be... Well, and all the rest of it. My number 100 is a game on the Wii. Ooh. Do you remember the Nintendo Wii? We all remember fondly. One of the main draws of the Nintendo Wii was the fact that it didn't have a it didn't have a very sensible controller, did it? Oh, <laughs> mate, no, not at all. Just just a couple of sticks. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, we used to play with two sticks connected to our Nintendo. And so when I when we first got the Wii, it, everybody was like, "Oh, what." How, what what is this going to do for the future of um, controlling video games? Are we going to be able to uh, like hit a tennis ball? Are we going to be able to bowl? Are we going to be able to I don't know hit a baseball really far? Maybe do some golfing or the other one. <laughs> I'm talking about Wii Sports. That's not my top one hundred. That was just me being all like. I mean, this is a heck of a detour, but yeah, please. Please continue. But that was it, because the Wii came packaged with this game that showed off the capabilities of the uh, of the of the controller. It was a glorified tech demo, wasn't it? Yeah, and that was it. That was about as good as it got for in terms of like waving it around and making somebody do something. Really, shortly after uh, I got the Wii, um, I got this lovely little game called. Right, I don't know what it's called because it has <clears throat> it has a different name, whether it was um, American or European. I think it's called Elabits. Oh, yes, yeah. yes, you remember? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was kind of it was one of those early Wii games where they were like, okay, it's um, the controls are remote control, so obviously the main mechanic is that the main character has a remote control. Absolutely. <laughs> and they can do all sorts of things with it, like point it at things. Yeah, Pr press buttons at things. At things, yeah, yeah. yeah. Control stuff remotely. Mm, point and press, press the button near things. Mm, oh, all the halcyon days. Oh, it was, a, it was a brighter time. People's eyes were just so full of hope. Um, but yeah, this was just this was just a lovely little game. It was oh, you you played as a little kid whose parents were um, they were scientists, and he was feeling spurned because he felt he was second fiddle to their research. So there's a darkness, a darkness to the narrative. Yeah, flawed hero. Uh classic. Yeah, classic yeah. of the genre. Um, Hamlet. Yeah, Luigi, Matilda. Mm. Yeah, all of them. Anyway, he hated these little things, which I think embodied electricity and then had different body shapes based on the shape of their body. Some of them moved really quickly. Some of them were the shape of a pear. I, li I like the way we had as like a, a seesaw of uh, sort of physical traits. Moving fast looks like a pear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's got to be one or the other. It's somewhere along that line. But then there was one that was orange. The colour or the fruit? 
Like the colour, we've already had the pair. Oh, yeah, sorry. That would just be lazy character design. Yeah, absolutely right. But anyway, this kid hated the, these things because mm. um, his parents were like, oh, we love the yellow bits, or the Elodies, whichever one they decided to be called. And he was like, oh, why don't you go and give birth to all of them then? Oh. I don't think that was an actual quote, but... The subtext was there. It was yeah. Anyway, one night there's a lightning storm and it cuts out all the power. Mm. So he goes around the neighbourhood just zapping them all up. And apparently his remote control gun can not only pick them up, but as he picks them up, it powers the remote control up. So by the end of it, you're just lifting up houses, like shaking it oh to God. try and um, get rid of all of their LEDs, elebits. That sounds harrowing. Yeah, I mean, it was the Resident Evil of its time. <laughs> so it basically, like, I, I never played it, but it's it's almost like a light gun shooter, isn't it? From, like, memory of footage. So is is it kind of on rails? Do you, do you control where you move about, or is it purely... No, you do, you you do control where you move around. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, an exploration and, like, suck things up. It was, yeah, no, it's basically Luigi's Mansion-vania. <laughs> a little explored genre that isn't it mm. but it's ripe for a comeback oh yes oh, I hope yes. so I hope so Elabit there we go classic unexpected unexpected entry quite the contrast to Bummer Raid oh, no, bom- <laughs> was it Bomber Raid Bomber Raid Bomber Raid Bomber Raider Moving on lastly to number 100 in my list which is uh, a game from my childhood no way mmm it is, it is indeed. game that I had for the first console that I properly owned, I co-owned it with my brother. See, my brother Alex had a Master System, but then for Christmas 1996 or 97, I think it was, me and Alex clubbed our birthday and Christmas presents together to get ourselves a Sega Saturn. Here we Ooh. go. Which was... <clears throat> It was and still is one of my all-time favourite things. I still got mine. And we got a few games uh, with it uh, when we got it. And the game that I loved the most uh, of that selection, that I definitely played the most, uh, was this game, which was Clockwork Night 2. Oh, boy. Yeah. Remember that? I do. So Clockwork Night 2 was um, uh, a sequel to Clockwork Night, which I never played. Uh, nor ever saw uh, in a shop or anything like that. But story-wise, you could jump in straight at the second one. You'd be you'd be fine. You'd be afloat, and you play as a knight Go on. who is a wind-up toy oh. made of clockwork. Can can you also say his name in your in your best voice? I can't remember it. Oh oh, oh what was on. it? Oh man, um, it was something like it begins with P. Begins with P. P- Paparaccio or something like that? It was a Paparaccio. That's it, yeah. I mean, that is... I mean, that was that never came up in the story. No, I don't think it's, it's ever spoken. But... So it's uh, kind uh, of a proto-fight club in that yes. respect. Yeah, I mean, his name was Robert Paulson. I think, didn't uh, Meatloaf did the motion capture as well, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Now, I, I absolutely cannot remember really what the story was, but... The basic premise is that you worked your way through a series of levels uh, that you were in a house and uh, you were a toy and there were evil toys and there were good toys. And one of the good toys uh, that was on your side was your pet donkey uh, that was like um, half donkey, half chariot 
that uh, lesser known hybrid and uh, and there were some really really great fun bits where you, uh, there was some sort of on rail stuff where you were going through and jumping from track to track uh, and there was a couple of things I absolutely loved about it I absolutely loved uh, the music this is going to be a, I think a common theme with my game choices on this Ooh, list yeah. is uh, yeah, for sure. is wonderful and I think about it I'll be honest more often than I should hmm. <laughs> Certainly. But one of the things I loved about it, and it's something that has actually kind of continued to, to this day, is the fact that you were a toy and you were small and the world you were in was big. And it's something I've always really, really, I've really loved. And I've always thought it was really, really charming when you see like real world stuff in games. And it felt at the time, it felt like it was totally photorealistic. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, I can see that uh, it was. It, it used that weird kind of uh, digitised style, didn't it, that kind of Donkey Kong Country did earlier, where they would be like rendered characters that were then flattened down to sprites, essentially. Yes. But also there was a slight 2.5D element to the platforming. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of the backgrounds were like polygonal objects and things from memory. And... It's something that I, uh, yeah, I've, I've loved in games like uh, Katamari or uh, oh, what was that game where you play as a little woolen man and untangles? Is it called Untangle or ta- uh, Unravel? And like with Pikmin, even though I did not like the game, I loved the fact that you were small and there were real life objects that were huge. Um, and yeah. I, I love that. Um, so Clockwork Knight. You know, I, I loved it for that. There were some great different worlds. There was a toy box world. There was like a library world, which really scared me a bit, actually, because it was very quiet. And then there was like a bath world. And then you got to like this clockwork tower. And it was it was just brilliant. I mean, it was, yeah, I, mean, I always loved kind of 2D platform games. Um, I still do now. Um, and that, I think, was the first prop, first like really good 2D platform game that uh, that I really, really enjoyed. Sounds like a great Toy Story. Ah, oh, there it is. There it is. Did it predate Toy Story? I'm trying to think about when it released because obviously the first Clockwork Night was kind of like the Saturn launch almost. Yeah, which would have been '94. I'm not amazing with dates for this sort of stuff, but what what year was Toy Story? You're you're the film and media person. Toy Story was 1995. Ooh, Clockwork Night Two was also 1995. So Clockwork Night did precede Toy Story. Well, there we go. And I think there's a lawsuit that Sega needs to get involved in. Yeah, sponsored by our three cents. (laughs) (laughs) Video game litigation. (laughs) And on that absolute clangor of a note, uh, that wraps it up for this week. If you've enjoyed this or you have any comments or feedback or indeed any questions you'd like us to answer or topics you'd like us to discuss, feel free to tweet us. You can find me at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me at Chaz underscore Hodges. Oh, God rest his soul. I know he is dead. I think Twitter is hell, so find me on Instagram, Drunk Ollivander. That's a wonderful name. Use the hashtag Our3Cents and join us next week for our number 99s. Thank you very much. No, no. Thank you. Goodbye.